0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Very excited for today's guest. She took a ninth at U21 World Championships with partner Jasmine Safar. She represented Canada at the Edmonton Three Star, which is impressive because she's still in university. She set the freshman record for wins while she was at Hawaii. She's transferred to UCLA, where she's a national champion. Please welcome to the show Leah Monkhouse. Leah, thanks for doing this.
1: Thanks, Josh.
0: (laughs) So in doing some research on the show, your UCLA bio, uh, it lists a bunch of sports. So were you pretty active growing up with you and your family? And then what kind of made you choose to play volleyball? Yes, I was. um, We like to play a bunch of different
1: sports. Growing up, we played badminton, volleyball. I played flag football, hockey, soccer, you name it. I probably played it at some point. I actually, for a very long time, hockey was kind of my number one sport, and that was kind of my dream. I wanted to go to the Olympics for hockey uh, as a kid, and I actually had a really bad concussion that took me out of hockey. So it was kind of funny how that worked, because I, I was really upset uh, the year that I was told that I couldn't play hockey anymore. And then that same year, I, I grew almost a foot, um, and I was playing volleyball, just not at like quite as high, high of a level um as hockey so I still had volleyball and then when I grew volleyball kind of started to get a little bit easier for me and I started playing it more and I don't know I just kind of fell in love with it when it was my main focus and it was kind of a blessing in disguise um, uh, being kicked out of hockey <laughs> um but yeah
0: was Defenso your first club? Because you kind of grew up in the area that's a, it's a hotbed for volleyball. We just had Sarah Williams on the show, and she was talking about all the clubs she had opportunities to play for, and growing up in that Burlington, Halton area. So, what made you choose Defenso, or did yeah. you start somewhere else, maybe at a house league level, or where did it really start to click that you fell in love for volleyball?
1: Growing up, uh, my parents played rec leagues um, together, so we kind of always played it um, in our front front yard or whatever, and. I actually started, I tried out for Burlington Blaze. I'm not even sure if that's a club anymore. But when I was 10 years old, I tried out for the 14U team, and I actually played on that team. And my coach referred to me as, like, a small athlete. I was tiny. I hadn't hit puberty yet, <laughs> so I was really small. And I was playing with these girls that were in high school, so that was kind of weird. But um, I started there. I, pl- I only played there for a year. And then I went to the Hurricanes, uh, Halton Hurricanes. I played there for two, three seasons. Uh, and then what year? I think it was 17U. I decided that I wanted to try out for Defensa. I did a clinic over the summer with Defensa, and I kind of fell in love with it. I remember watching Autumn Bailey play for Defensa at Nationals, and I was just kind of in love with the way that they ran their volleyball. It, and how specific they were, especially with defense. And I just kind of wanted to be a part of that culture. So I decided to go with them, and I played there for three years, I think. And I stopped playing my senior year, uh, so grade 12. And I just focused on beach that year.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about this before the show. You might have been one of the first athletes to kind of have beach be a serious option at the post-secondary level. I'm thinking some of the earlier Canadians, like, Sophie Bukovic kind of was, she was very good at beach, but I don't think she grew up going through high school wanting to be an NCAA athlete. Like, did you remember watching her or maybe Megan and Nicole and McNamara or any other Canadians who were playing beach full time when you decided that that's the path you wanted to go to?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think Sophie uh, was definitely one of the people that I looked up to um, for being a Canadian going to the NCAA. I think she was one of the first to do it. And just watching her like win titles at USC and just knowing the path that she took, like she wasn't all beach, like most of the girls in the States, like in California are. And, and she was able to go out there and prove herself. So I think I was like super inspired by that. And obviously the twins too, they've, they've really proved themselves. And I think they were a bit more focused on beach. I'm not really sure in high school. Um, I think they trained quite a bit. But yeah, definitely uh, the twins and Sophie were people that I looked up to um,
0: in going full time beach. So, because beach was established when you were coming through, just give us a little glimpse of what your recruiting process was like. Were you the one contacting schools to get some attention? Did you have a recruiter? Did they notice you? Maybe OVA oh, yeah, Beach Tour is very big, but did you go to U.S. high performance tournaments? Like, what was kind of your journey to land a scholarship in beach?
1: Honestly, uh, it was super terrible. <laughs> it was stressful. Um, I think uh, something that I faced a lot is American schools not really taking me very seriously. Um, I don't know if that's because I'm from Canada. I didn't have a great like recruiting film. I didn't really know how any of that stuff worked, so that was really tough for me. Um, I did spend most of my time, uh, with defensa while I was playing throughout high school. I thought I was going to go for indoor because beach wasn't even a NCAA sport. Uh, and I, I got some like recruit, I got recruited by some schools and they were just never schools that I really felt like I belonged to and that I really was in love with. There was a lot of schools that I was like, on the edge with but i never really felt super super into any of those and then the beach thing came up and i did go when beach was becoming an ncaa sport and there's prospect of getting scholarships for it i went out to california with molly mcbain um and i also went with ashley class one summer uh, she's from bc and We just played in a high-performance tournament in California, and Hawaii was able to see me. I'm pretty sure it was when I was playing with Molly, but I'm not sure. But yeah, it was in California where they they were able to see me and uh, offer me a scholarship.
0: Yeah, I think the the journey's become a little bit more clear for athletes today just because of of the length of time it's been an established sport. So, when you look back, is there any maybe feedback or tips you would give to a younger athlete cuz your journey it sounds like you grinded it out a little bit. Is there anything that you you yeah. wish you would have known when you're going through it?
1: Yeah, I think honestly you have to um, you have to go out to California or Florida or wherever you want to play and maybe go to one of their their camps. Uh, a lot of schools have camps for prospective students. I think that was something that I heard from Molly and other people that you know really helped them secure their spot um, and just going out and playing live in front of people. Uh, I think video is a really good way of getting that interest with a coach and sending your video to coaches just so they're interested. And then I think to actually get a spot and and if you really want to be serious about it to try to get your way out there I think was really important for me
0: nice so when you finally landed on Hawaii what was it like being at that campus because in speaking to a friend of the show Steve Hunt who was there he played men's volleyball he said like when everything's going well it's pretty special there right because you're you're isolated some some fans treat the university like that is their pro sports team so there's usually fans and stuff around what was your experience kind of on the island being a top athlete for Hawaii
1: I loved it. Uh, volleyball is definitely something that's really special there. And I think that's one of the main things that I miss. Uh, we would have amazing supporters and our boosters uh, would would come every tournament and bring us food. And it was really special. I remember this little girl coming up to me in Waikiki with a collage of all these photos that she had taken of me. And she asked me to sign her little collage and it was kind of a big moment for me so I was only a freshman and I didn't really think I was that big of a deal um so she she made me feel special so that culture is definitely amazing uh, in Hawaii for volleyball
0: now what was your first impression of NCAA beach because obviously you grew up uh, as a top beach player here in Ontario and in Canada so I, I believe actually I missed this in your intro you won 18 new nationals so you get to the NCAA was there a jump in in the level of play or were you pretty comfortable off the bat
1: I think, I think I was comfortable. Um, it is nerve wracking for sure. At first um, I think anything new for me is kind of nerve wracking at first and it just kind of takes getting used to, I think the strangest thing and still kind of weirds me out to this day is just in America, there's just so many good players um, and like everyone is like almost at the same level uh, and it just kind of depends who's going to play better on any given day. So I think, yes, the competition across the whole country is just, you know, higher over there, especially at the college level. I think in Canada we have people that kind of get better later on and there's, I know we're growing a lot, but I think that was the biggest shock. It was like, Oh my God, like, Now I have 20 girls on my team competing for the same spot as me and could be as good as me on any given day. So I think the uncertainty of it uh, was kind of weird for me.
0: Yeah, so myself and the listeners were, at least I I would say, comfortable with the rules and we understand the dual system, but uh, give us your own experience about how are teams put together how are the internal rankings working where how does a school like UCLA or Hawaii rank their teams 1 through 5 like to determine who dresses that game how often does it change like kind of just give us a behind the scenes look of of how it works like when you landed as a freshman were you under the impression that you were going to start and be on the twos or how did it work for you
1: when i first got to school in hawaii you know all of fall i think for every team is kind of just coaches and players trying to figure out you know, where they fit uh, in the lineup. So, I mean, I try to not really have expectations, I guess. I mean, every fall you try not to have expectations and, you know, you do your best and wherever you land, you land. So I guess only, honestly, in my experience, it's only a few weeks before the season starts where you actually like know where you're going to play. Um, before that you're mixing it up with people and you're just trying to improve your own skills um, so I think the teams that I've been on there there have there hasn't been a lot of movement I know other schools will move their teams around a lot but we don't we don't really do that I think the teams that I've been on are super deep and I think anywhere sorry anyone can play anywhere and, and so it's just I don't know. I think the level is just so high that it, it honestly doesn't really matter where you play on a lot of the high high teams, the high level teams.
0: So at a school like Hawaii or UCLA or, or the other schools you've obviously visited for away games, are all five courts buzzing at the same time? If the, if the facility is limited, how do they choose who's going first in the duel of the best of five? Like, uh, Did you know you were always going to play? Because if it's only got, say, three courts, maybe some people aren't even necessary that day, right? Or does every match get played no matter what? So
1: uh <laughs> this is a
0: good question.
1: It confuses me sometimes too. There there's there's not much structure um in regards to if if the the school doesn't have like the the whole five courts the four, the five courts always have to be played obviously because you have to play out the duel to see who who wins but in regards to who plays first, like Court Three or Court One, we honestly have no idea until the day of. I think it's kind of the school's preference most of the time, whoever's hosting. I know for like playoff matches or like national championships or Pac 12 championships, there is more of a structure, but that's more for broadcasting purposes, I think. In Gulf Shores, in the finals, the first two days, Everyone plays at once because there is enough courts. So all five courts play. And then if you make the semi or the final, then they split it up into court four and court five, go first. And then court one, two, three, uh, play the second round. I think that's just so it's more interesting and, and people can see more of like the games that are being played.
0: Nice, nice. And for you, what went into your decision to leave Hawaii and eventually land on UCLA? Was it an academic decision, athletics, everything put together? Like, what kind of factored it into it? And I guess how difficult in the NCAA is it to transfer? Because you and I were talking the summer you did it, and I know some courses and stuff didn't transfer as well as maybe we would have hoped. So there's a lot that probably went into that decision, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a very tough decision, and it's, it's very scary. When I when I transferred, it was much different because we don't have the we didn't have the transfer portal. Uh, now nowadays, you can just enter your name into a transfer portal without your coach's permission and, and kind of just freely, you know, open yourself up to other schools. Um, I didn't really have that uh, back then, so that was definitely um, a long process for me in regards to why I transferred. I think it was it was. A couple different things combined definitely I think I wanted a bit more uh, academic challenge and I think the volleyball it, it didn't really match up with exactly what I wanted um, I, I really have high high hopes and dreams for this sport so I wanted to be in the best place that I could be for that and honestly it, it was just kind of an instinct thing for me I just wasn't really happy at the school and, you know, it's super cheesy, but I think following your heart and following the way that you feel uh, usually gets you to a pretty good place as long as you work hard. So I kind of, I kind of followed that and, you know, it got, it got me to a really good spot. So I'm happy with that. And uh, in regards to your, the, the whole transferring thing, I could go on forever with how complicated that was for me. That was a really hard process for me. But yes, I'm still honestly to this day uh, struggling because I lost a lot of my courses when I came to UCLA and just, just trying to finish my undergrad is honestly a lot harder than it should be, I think, because I'm missing that whole year in some aspects. So, yeah.
0: And do you remember your first impressions when you got to UCLA? So obviously classes aside, obviously studying and being in a program that challenges you and you want to pursue. But just looking at some of the names when you arrive, like obviously big Canadian Homer here. So Megan and Nicole were there, but I think Sponza was still there and some other top players. Yeah. And you know what, as much as I, I support the NCAA Beach, there's probably players that I've never heard of that are very good. Right. So mm-hmm. what was it like just walking into that practice environment and having Stein and the other coaches to work with?
1: Very intimidating. It was really scary, and uh, just knowing that you have every single person on your team is a really freaking good player. And still to this day, I think everyone on my team is incredible. So having that competition, I think, was really scary at the start because you know you're questioning your own abilities and and all that stuff. But it took me a while to kind of settle down. But when I did, I think. Now I embrace that competition um it's It's amazing to be able to play against the people that I get to play against every day, and also just with the team i I love my team so much and I think when i when I settled down with them and I started making friends i I think everything just just started going well and it's just my favorite place. I love it so
0: and how do you find the balance I guess? with like like you mentioned there's probably like 20 girls on the squad but you're still with your partner so before practice are you guys in the team room like blasting music and kind of getting fired up that way or is everybody sticking to themselves cuz practice is going to be competitive and you got to stay with your partner like what is the mood about this big team and then individual teams within it
1: I think it's pretty it's pretty individual practice-wise for most of the year, and you're kind of working on your own skills, especially because partners aren't set for a really long time. Um, Only a few weeks before season starts, usually, do you start really grooving with your partner. It's also hard because most of us have class right before practice, and we're running up to practice, and we've all got treatment and stuff to do, so there's not really, I wouldn't really say there's a lot of team bonding uh, before practice, but uh, we have separate kind of separate times for that. We, we do like team bonding. We, we blast our music before games. Like, so just, just not really before practice. That's more kind of when we get serious and focus on our own skill.
0: And what do you think UCLA is doing so well that players are leaving there and being ready for the world tour again, whether it's Megan and Nicole or sponsor or some other athletes who are even doing well on the AVP, like, is there anything about practice that you really enjoy that you just know you're getting better because you're doing these things?
1: I think uh, a big part of it, like I kind of said before, is just the, the level that we have within our team. I, I feel like I'm playing like in an FIVB tournament every single day against the people on my team. Like It's never easy to win um, in anything. I think Stein and Jenny do an amazing job of you know, really holding us accountable and making sure we're making the most out of every practice. And I honestly think that we work incredibly hard. We work harder than most teams. I'm, I'm going to guess we work really hard. Um, so I think that gets us really far in our own, our own skill and as a team.
0: So for you, who's, who's been to national championships a couple times now, is the mood a little bit different there? Obviously, the, the stakes are a little bit higher, but because there's more people around, like you said, all five courts can go at once. Does it feel different than normal conference play or because you went to Hawaii and UCLA where it's already, it seems like every conference game is competitive. Does it kind of get normal after a while or does it always kind of ramp up at the end?
1: I think it definitely ramps up at the end. Um, (laughs) We call it the hunger games. That's what we call (laughs) the national championship. It's definitely just, everything's more hyped up um, for sure. And there's jumbotrons and there's video and there's media and all this stuff that you don't normally get at a regular game. So, and it's also just understanding that, you know, this is what counts. Like the, this whole season has led up to this and you know if you lose in that and then you kind of have lost the whole season so it, it definitely is a massive moment and golf shores is really fun and we get a lot of fans out there so i love golf shores it's super
0: fun nice and is there any uh tips you could give our younger athletes as far as prep goes into beach where i used to run the OB beach tour and most of the conversations i would overhear about Beach tactics would just be as simple as, oh, who are you serving, where it must get way more complicated than that. So with you guys having full-time coaches and tons of high-level athletes around, what goes into like your game planning at the NCAA level?
1: I think as I'm getting older, um, I think rehab and taking care of yourself is super important, especially for me. I've dealt with shoulder injuries and stuff. So just making sure that you're feeling good when you're playing, I think, goes a long way for me. There's so much stuff we we do video um, for when we were playing our opponents and we scout them and it really depends like player by player. I'm the type that is very technical and I like technical feedback. I think the more specific you are uh, with your individual contacts and you know really being sharp and meaningful with every contact is super important for me personally. Me looking at the game, I'm super technical. I like game plans. I I like looking at what the other team's doing and trying to adjust. Um, so, yeah, I think I think just just being super purposeful in beach volleyball goes a really long way. And sometimes it can be super boring, especially when you're younger. I remember it when I was in grade 12, and me and Angie would practice that that whole winter when I took. Indoor off, and I just played indoor beach at Downsview, and it was pretty much just me, Amanda, and Ryan, Ryan Doozy and we pretty much we played games sometimes, but we pretty much were just focusing on our individual contacts and um, really just training our skills and being super, super purposeful. And I think that was probably some of the most that I have like improved as a player, just doing that. and and focusing on those individual skills
0: awesome and has any of this helped you prepare for your international career so in canada for you to go to u21s uh, i imagine you had to win a qualifier tournament which is not maybe the same scale as ncaa as far as like media and jumbotrons but there's a hunger games feel to it i'm sure too where you have to win to get the bid right or going to edmonton and having to go through a qualifier at the three-star level right so is any of this Mm -hmm. transferred into the prep of being like on the fiv tour for sure
1: i think I think the biggest thing uh, that I've kind of taken from all my experience with Angie and with the NCAA is just um, not not overthinking what's going on and and not overhyping the moment. Um, like nationals can get super crazy, and I think I personally, and I think a lot of other people, when when they overhype a situation, uh, it's usually not good for them. So just just playing like. Playing like you practice. I think that's something that we say at UCLA a lot. Don't be anything more and don't be anything less that, than you actually are. And just just focusing on your individual contacts and not worrying about, you know, the the big the big hype and the Hunger Games
0: feel. Nice. So. Similar line of question, I guess. What were your first impressions of U21? Did did the scale of it really get to you, or you and Jazz were confident? Like, Did you get off the plane feeling like you were going to do well at the tournament, or did you not go into that with any expectations either? I think... Ugh, this
1: is a tough one. It's a long time ago. <laughs> um, well, I think it was... Kind of hard, honestly, when we were traveling and stuff to even focus on the tournament because it was my first time in like Asia or or traveling that far without, I wasn't with my mom, I was just with Angie and Jazz. So that was kind of hard on me. I remember showing up and I kind of felt a little sick and I was a little off, uh, especially with the time difference and stuff. So I think my survival mode was kind of kicked in for a while. When we started playing, it definitely was weird. I think it, it I'd never played with Jazz before, which I think was weird. And I think it kind of lowered our expectations a little bit, uh, which in a way was nice. Kind of got rid of, you know, the expectation of having to win or, or whatever. And in the, the first couple of days that we were there, we trained against uh, the Brazilian team uh, who won. And we trained against uh, USA and one other team. I think we trained against Poland. And I remember feeling kind of nervous during those, and I felt like I kind of had to prove myself. But uh, while we were going through those practices and uh, just understanding that, you know, we were good enough to be there and we we had the potential to be just as good as these other teams, I think that kind of settled us down uh, and got us ready to play.
0: Yeah. I forgot about that as well. What do you remember from that season? Because typically how the pathway has worked is teams will win the trials and they'll know they're going and then they'll play a lot of domestic tours or they'll, or they'll travel and they're actually trained together with their partner where you and jazz were separated. So was that a big uh, summer of injury for you? Was that the same year?
1: No, that was, uh, that was the year before. Um, and the thing about U 21s was that I, cause I, finished UCLA around like June 15th. And then we were leaving for the tournament like June 20th or something. So I had just gone home. Um, I think we might've trained like once at home together and then, and then we kind of just went. <laughs> <laughs> so it was more just like, I, I wasn't even home. Like I wasn't even available. Yeah. So, and we also, um, normally I would have played with Molly, um, Molly McBain but she was too old to play in that trial. So that's why me and jazz weren't really like regularly playing together.
0: Right. Right. And it was Molly that you went to the three-star with. So as yeah. you kept climbing, going from like an NCAA championship to a youth world championship to a three-star, did they all feel different? Are they more similar than they are, are, are different? Like how did it feel being around like true professionals? Like there was, there was a lot of good teams in Edmonton when you were there.
1: hmm. I think I think the main difference is it's just it's just you and your partner again um, instead of having a team of like 20 people and and four other teams that are playing along with you. And like if you lose, you could still potentially win the duel or if you win, you could still potentially lose the duel. So I guess in a way there's like more you have more control of what's going on at the FIVB tournaments. So there's also that added pressure. I think the Edmonton tournament was hard because, you know, we went all the way out there. We hadn't trained together that much either um, before that, and obviously, like years passed. But just in the in the weeks leading up to it, and you know, just like you lose a game and you're out. So that's that's not really normal in the NCAA. Usually, you play like a tournament, or you have the rest of the season to look forward to. So. You don't just like stop playing, but yeah, so definitely that added pressure of just being alone with your partner and also like it's do or die in the qualifier.
0: Now, is there anything that stands out in your mind as a different playing style? And I'm not sure if that's fair to say because the NCAA is such a high level, but is there a different feel to mean on the FAB, whether it be the the size of the athletes or maybe the NCAA, like you really have to be able to peel and transition, it seems like when I watch a lot of games. Like, is there a different style of play maybe being used in the NCAA than the world tour, just because, like I said, like the the age and physical abilities of all the athletes, maybe?
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely more physicality on the FIVB world tour, for sure, probably because of age and, you know, experience and more experience working out and all that stuff. I think the biggest difference is probably – how much of the time people are playing at their best. Like in the NCAA, I feel like a lot of the time it's kind of up and down. Um, I think at the FIVB tour, you know, when you're winning, that means that you're just consistently like playing your best game and you're consistently um, like putting the ball in the court aggressively. And I think it's just the players on the world tour can just manage that better.
0: Nice. Yeah. Thank you for that. Learning a lot about the incident. This is good stuff. So you're you're a player who deserves a lot of credit for this. And I'm always interested when we have guests on the show who have come back from injury. And not to get too too deep on this, but it can affect your confidence or even your identity a little bit. So for yeah. somebody like you who's gone through some pretty serious shoulder stuff and still found a way to play at a high level, uh, how did you get through those times? Or is it just the confidence or wanting to compete or what are some little things that you can kind of tell us about your experience that maybe a younger listener can take away?
1: Well, my experience, I played my freshman year at Hawaii and I pretty much, I was a pretty big hitter. I just loved to hit the ball as much as I could. Um, and, and I tore my, I tore my labrum, um, just a little background. And my experience with, with that was it's, it was terrible. Um, I hate not being able to play. Uh, I was taken out for a pretty long time. And even to this day, it's something that I have to manage. Um, I'm still doing rehab for it, like, two years later. Um, so it's definitely something that you have to stay on top of. I think uh, for for younger athletes, I think start, start now. Like, start your shoulder strengthening. Start your, like, knee strengthening, whatever you need to do because it's much harder to like treat something than to prevent it beforehand. I, I wish I had like better shoulder strength before I started the NCAA and started playing beach volleyball seriously, because I think I would have prevented a lot of missed time. My, all my missed time um, from being injured, I think it, it just made me a lot more hungry to play volleyball, because I realized... How boring and how much I miss it when I was injured. So I think that kind of it kind of fired fired me up in a way. I think I've I've definitely learned a different playing style a little bit after my shoulder injury, getting a bit more smart, not just trying to hit the ball all the time, and yeah. So and just obviously staying on top of my rehab, staying strong. I've gone a lot more. Sh- Strong than I have been the past couple of years, so I'm happy about that.
0: So before practice, how much time are you dedicating to your warm up? Like, are you somebody who gets the bands out and you're you're there early? Like, how much of a time commitment is this turned into for you?
1: Yes, I'm, I'm known for uh, being being early and doing my bands before we start anything. Um, it's a big time commitment. I will not play volleyball if I haven't warmed up my shoulder um, for. At least, like I, I do my full band routine. I'm not sure how long it takes, but um, I make sure my core is on. I make sure my shoulders warm before I start. But that's kind of the easy por- part, warming up. Honestly, that's the that's the quick part. The part that I've kind of struggled with throughout the years and struggled with staying on top of because it takes so so long for me, and it's it's actually really hard for me to do. Is my rehab. Um, but it's definitely helped me so much Um, and I haven't really had a major shoulder problem
0: uh, since then so that's good. Nice and I wanted to pick your brain just about the UCLA culture so with you guys being a national champion and obviously this season got cut short a little bit but was there a mood around the training facility that like you had accomplished something special or because it's a new year some people graduated and cycled out that it's just back to business like how much do you really celebrate that win versus like you know that you know we'll appreciate this but for right now we have work to do for this season
1: we definitely spent our time celebrating that win and you know feeling good about what we completed in that season i i think right when we got back in the fall though it was kind of we had this mentality that we have a big target on our backs like we just won two years in a row. People are going to want to take us down and people are going to want to play their best game against us. And we kind of use that as momentum to keep pushing because we know how hard it is to win a national championship and losing the players that we did. Obviously, that's that hurt us a little bit. And we do have great new players. It's just an experienced thing. Like we're, we're a pretty young team, so we know that we have a lot of work to do to be able to win again. So just, just not taking anything lightly and just working really hard and not, not being overly confident or anything, just kind of putting our head down and being humble and working hard, I think has been something that uh, we've, we've stressed and our coaches have stressed to us.
0: And with you being a part of the NCAA, how much have you felt uh, the rivalries? Because it feels like they do a great job with media and there's some there's some real hatred. Like if I were to tell Danny Cook, who went to Michigan State, if, if they're playing Michigan, like she, she wants to punch a Wolverine in the face, like there's some hatred there. So with you being at UCLA, I imagine USC would be a pretty big rival. Or is there anyone else that like it, it's a special week when they come up on the calendar? Uh, <laughs>
1: definitely USC. Uh, that's just something for our whole school in general, USC has always been a big rival. We love to beat the Trojans. I think like historically in our sport, probably like it's kind of like the best, like couple teams are kind of rivals. Like for me, whenever we play like Florida state, you know, that's also a big game. So, you know, there's always a little extra fire under everyone when we play them. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't call it like, I don't want to say hatred, but yeah, there's definitely a rivalry.
0: With you being a Canadian, do you just get immersed in it like because everybody's so fired up and it's all over campus? Or were you kind of caught off guard when you're kind of like, what's going on here? Because uh, a friend of the show, Joel Hannon, tried to explain to us that like the Ryerson Rams men's team were like the bad boys of the OUA. And other guys around the OUA just didn't receive that message very well. So I'm wondering, in the NCAA where it's actually like on ESPN and rivalry week's like, a big thing, like did you just uh, adopt it right away because you knew that you're at UCLA, so therefore you hate USC? Or did you get caught off guard with how deep it goes?
1: Yeah, I definitely just adopted it right away. Um, I've, like, known about it for a long time, and I was – I think it's kind of fun. I don't know. I love the rivalry, so I love it. I don't know. I accept it.
0: <laughs> Does Hawaii have a rival?
1: Not really. It's kind of it's kinda that – well, they're the only, you know, school on the island that's uh, super competitive and, and – yeah, I, I don't really think so. I would just say that it's just the top teams, honestly. There's there's always this tension between, like, the top five teams, I would say. You know, when when we would play, you know, when I was at Hawaii, we would play UCLA or we would play USC or we would play Florida State. It's, it's always kind of, like, the
0: same same tension. When you play against Florida State, do you in Wally talk before the game or do you leave that till after? Like, is it all business until it's all settled?
1: Yeah, no, I don't. We don't really talk before. <laughs> well, we don't really talk to anyone before. I feel like that's pretty normal. We're pretty like connected with our team, and you know, we're not really worried about anything else. Obviously, I'll give her a wave. We'll say hi, but no long conversations with anyone before we play. I would say definitely after, though.
0: Nice, nice. Uh, One thing we we've tried to turn into a tradition on this show is just kind of showing that even though you're at the highest level of our sport, that some funny or odd stuff happens. And I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but can you think of either a a funny story that either volleyball's provided a, a fun opportunity, whether it was through travel or maybe U21 or just something silly that's happened to show that even though like kids are making collages and you're a big deal, that just some everyday funny life stuff happens every once in a while. Yeah. Oh
1: my God. There's so much stuff definitely like traveling with my team is always hilarious traveling with jazz was hilarious to thailand and um just that new experience uh we made a lot of thrillers i don't know if you know what those are it's kind of like tiktok but the older version um it's just like music videos those were super funny um There's so many weird things that happen to me when I play, Um, like getting, I'll get hit in the face. I'll get what, like sand up my nose. So, you know, you can't take yourself too seriously out there for sure. I remember last year, this was pretty funny. They got this on video. You can probably find it somewhere. But when I was playing with Savvy at at Pac-12 Championships, uh, I went up and I I blocked a ball. And I, I don't even know, it's hard to explain, but it went off my outside hand and it, it went and it hit the pole and the ball came back and it hit me in the face. And I had thought that the ref threw the ball at my face and I was so thrown <laughs> off. I was so confused and they got it on film. Uh, so that was pretty funny. It was on Pac-12 networks. Uh, so that was a good laugh, but yeah, it's super funny. I, I, I love beach volleyball because it's so social and, you know, it's super fun outside of, you know, the seriousness of it.
0: (laughs) Now, does your partner take a second to, you know, laugh her face off at you in that situation? Or were you guys trying to still stay in the moment and really like focus on what you were doing?
1: Oh, we laughed about it. Yeah, we definitely laughed about it. (laughs) Yeah. You got to have a good balance of, you know, laughing at yourself and then being able to just reset and just, go go serious mode but some people can do that better than others it really depends on your style we laughed about it for sure
0: awesome leah thank you so much for making the time and coming on the show hopefully uh we get a chance to cheer you on soon and everything else you got on the go and good luck with your academics and all your studies but uh thanks again for taking the time
1: thanks josh this was awesome
0: all right hopefully see you at the beach soon
1: bye thanks josh all right See you.